Can I get all of our kiddos to come forward? Everybody else can sit. Y'all, come on. So you have to give me a little room today. I need, like, I need to move around a little bit today. So give me a little bit. Give me this kind of runway. Cool? Cool? Everybody good? Everybody good? Are you? Hello? Yes? If you were around this church last weekend, and you didn't have to be in order to follow along with the story that I'm about to tell, but if you were around this church last weekend, you heard me tell a story about something that began about 130 years ago, right after I was born. <laughs> Did y'all know I'm 131? That's not true. There was a time 130 years ago where cameras could not also take moving pictures or what we call movies or videos. And there was a race among Americans and Europeans and people all around the world to capture moving pictures, to create an invention like the one that I have in my pocket and like the one some of you have in your pocket that could create a movie. It kicked off a technology race that ran, oh, about 20 or so years until what we would call the golden age of Hollywood. What I was doing last week when I was telling you these stories and telling them these stories, I was doing what I call as a preacher, taking the long way around. I was trying to make a point when I told the part of the story about the marketing industry or the advertising industry coming together with the movie industry, pushing those two things together to find out what it would take someone like you or you or you to actually go see a movie in a movie theater. And what they found was it took you or y'all seven times seven times to see a movie poster before you would drive up to the movie theater, get out of your car, walk up to the box office, buy a ticket, walk inside, sit down, and watch a movie. And I took the long way around because I was trying to make a point about this story that we have from Genesis. It's the very first story in the entirety of the Bible. It's a really important one. It's a wild story, and it's somewhat crazy. It tells the story of God creating the universe. It talks about God creating sky and land, and then sea and dry land, and then sun and moon, and then vegetation, and then animals that, that live in the sea, and animals that live in the land. And then ultimately, finally, animals like you and me, the two-legged ones, humankind. It's a gorgeous story. And sometimes grown-ups like me and grown-ups like these sitting right here get lost in the details of the story, and we miss the point of the story. You see, after each moment of creation, after God creates something, God stops sits down, takes three deep breaths, 
reflects on creation, and then God says, it's good that everything God creates is good. That, like the movie poster, happens seven times into the story until God gets to human beings like you and me, and God steps back, reflects on the work of creation, and says, ah, this is very good. What we're meant to take away from that story is that each of us, you and 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 y'all, all of you are good. Goodness is sown into who you are and it is inseparable from who you are. Even with your naughty, when you're naughty, and you can tell your parents I said this, even when you are naughty, you are still good. There is nothing you can do or not do, nothing you can say or not say to separate yourself from that goodness. Same goes for y'all. I told you that sometimes for human beings, for one reason or another, that's kind of hard for us to remember. And so one of the things that I was doing when the snow was still falling, but we were all hoping that it would melt, is I was reminding myself, and I used two phrases. One of them was, these are the days. These are the days. As I stood and I watched my daughter play lacrosse on the lacrosse field, watching her compete against other girls, from the state of Montana, I reminded myself, like, this is good. These are the days when we work to put on church, when we coordinate as a staff, when we predict into the future and the fall and the winter about what we are doing around this place. I reminded myself, even though that work can be hard, these are the days. When I came home from work, like some of your parents do, and it was crazy in the house, there were toys everywhere. There was noise. There was a lot of chatter. I sat down on the couch in the middle of it all, and I reminded myself, these are the days that goodness is sown in to each beat of each day. And even, anyone here ever have a bad day? Yeah, I've had a few too. Even when I had a bad day, even when I was struggling, I had another mantra that I used. I would tell people and I would tell myself, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's all good because goodness is sown into creation and inseparable from who we are. So I went from Hollywood to Genesis, and now I want to go back to Hollywood because we have a great story that we hear 15 chapters after the story that we heard last week. It's one of the most important stories introducing us to one of the most important characters in all of Scripture. But first, we've got to go to Hollywood. Now, if you were born in 1955, like some of these folks were, out here in the congregation, then you might have some sense that when the business that was making movies 
was occupying this neighborhood called Hollywood, and the neighborhood was kind of going downhill. You see, if you came from a place like I did, the city of Los Angeles, you would know that the city of Los Angeles was spreading from downtown where there are big, high, crazy buildings and lots of highways all the way west to the beach to the Santa Monica Bay. And Hollywood, which is mm, almost in the middle but a little more closer to downtown, was kind of going down. And the people who lived in Hollywood were like, we want to make our neighborhood better. What can we do? What can we do? And there was one guy who had an idea. He's like, let's create the Hollywood Walk of Fame. In 1955, there was a guy who had an idea to put a star on the sidewalk. Every six feet, every six feet on Hollywood Boulevard and Vine, which is right smack dab in the middle of Hollywood. It took him five years. It took him five years to create a plan and a design, and then he had to go to court a couple times. <laughs> After he finished the court, it took him five years for them to begin to put stars on the sidewalk. Those stars honor people, people who were actors in movies and television, people who were on the radio, musicians, and people who were in theater, writers and actors on the stage. It's a wonderful, beautiful monument. It started with 1,500 and 53 stars. It took them almost 11 years to put those stars out. Today, there are 2,700 stars honoring movie stars and television stars and actors on the stage and other writers and directors. If you are in the entertainment industry, having a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame is a big deal, a big, big deal. In order to have a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, you have to be exceptional in your industry. Can't just be an actor, you have to be a great actor. Can't just be a writer, you have to be a great writer. Can't just be a musician, you have to be a great musician. And you have to be that for at least five years. You have to be great. You have to be great for at least five years. And then there are two other things you have to do. Do you know? You have to show up on the day they put your star in the sidewalk. <laughs> and you know what you also have to do? You have to pay the Hollywood Walk of Fame Association $75,000 to be on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. It is one of the most prestigious awards an artist, an artist like an actor or a writer or a musician. No, no questions. Not yet. <laughs> I'm taking the long way around, man. I got to bring this one home. Okay. So last week I started with Hollywood, then I went to Genesis. We're back in Hollywood. We're going back to Genesis. This morning, 
You heard B crush that reading from Genesis. It was amazing. And that was the best psalm reading I've heard in my seven years here. That little interruption that you had was perfect, Lily. I love that. It's like we're serious about what we do, but we don't take ourselves too seriously, right? Perfect. Going back to Genesis, we have this story about this guy, Abram, and his wife, Sarah. He's the most important figure in the early part of the story. God comes to Abram, and by the way, he is not an A-list celebrity. This guy is a very unusual guy, and he's very old. He's 75. (laughs) Very old. And God comes to him, and he says, Abram, you're my guy, and upon you, I am going to build a great nation of people, the greatest nation of people, but I'm not going to do it here. I've got to send you there. You've got to go live in this different part of the world. And Abram was a little nervous, a little frustrated, a little scared, a little anxious, but also a little enthusiastic about this role that God has given him. He moved his family from one place to another and then to another place and to another place until on one day, one evening, he reached that height of fear. Anybody here ever been scared? Anybody here ever been scared when you were doing something new, something for the first time, something where you weren't sure about the outcome of what was happened. So God got into this conversation with Abram, and it's quite a funny conversation. We don't hear it that way when it's read in church, but let me tell you, it's a very funny conversation. So Abraham, Abram comes to God. He has two names, Abram and Abraham. Most of the time we call him Abraham. This story we call him Abram. But if you think, Abraham comes to God and he's like, God, we've done all this. We've been on the road. We've moved here and there, there and here. We've been all over the place and I just don't get it. I don't understand how I'm your guy. You see, you can't build a nation upon someone who has no children. There's this comedian moment where he says, the person who will inherit all that I have is Eleazar of Damascus. What we're supposed to hear is Abram saying, God, I don't have any kids. After I die, everything that I have will go to the butler. (laughs) And God says, Abram, I want you to go outside the tent. Abram walks outside the tent. He looks up to the sky, and it's a beautiful night sky. It's like a a Wyoming winter night sky. Tons and tons of stars. And God somewhat hilariously says, Abram, why don't you count them? Why don't you count all the stars in the sky, and whatever number you get to, whatever huge number you get to, I promise you, I promise you, that your offspring will be a greater number than all the stars in the sky. You see, what we're meant to hear from that story, what we're meant to understand is that each of us, 
Each of us sitting in this place, in this church today, we are all stars. We are the children of Abraham and Sarah. We are one of God's stars. We have our own Hollywood slash Genesis walk of fame. Your name is on one of God's stars, and your name is on one of God's stars. Goodness is inseparable from who you are, no matter what you do or what you don't do, no matter what you say or don't say, your name is attached to one of God's stars. Amen.